Good morning, High Desert Works there. How is everybody this morning? Praise the Lord. Good to see you. Am I on here? Because I can get real loud if I need to. All right. Praise God. Well, we are going to have an awesome time at church today. We've got a very busy service, lots of stuff going on. So uh, we want to make sure that everybody uh, gets to stay in the loop on it. We are getting into the holiday season. And uh, next Sunday is going to be the big Thanksgiving service. We are super excited about that. And also, uh, as you can see, our construction uh, is coming along quite well. Right behind this wall is the brand new stage. And uh, we're super excited about getting that uh, up and running this coming week. Uh, it's been a really, really awesome week of getting things done. And the new bathrooms are just about ready. So thank you, Jesus. We are just about there. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together today. And we are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America because we're going to keep declaring that America is coming to Jesus because we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today, yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes here and have a little meet and greet time. And so go find somebody to give them a good handshake, high five, fist bump, hug, whatever it takes. Just make sure everybody gets a little love this morning. Amen. Let's go. Crashing down, I'm free in the presence of You hit this in my verdicts You surround me with your grace Full of hope in your presence of In time, I can't stop singing about your love I can't stop singing about your love Heart is overcome. Whoa, I I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. I see the kingdom of heaven pierce the dark with endless light. We're alive in your presence, oh You have won our salvation At the cross, one sacrifice So secure in your presence, oh And I, I can't stop singing about your love I can't stop singing about your love 
The dark world and this light We're alive in your presence, Lord You want our salvation At the cross one sacrifice So secure in your presence, Lord And I, I can't stop singing about your love goes on and on I sing to you Jesus You are my first love I praise you forever Your love goes on and on I sing to you Jesus You are my first love See hallelujah You are my first love morning yeah all right i can tell we're gonna have a good time together today everyone's pumped up and uh, it's just gonna be awesome all right well we're gonna get into some announcements here we've got a lot of stuff going on but again we're getting closer and closer to our uh construction being done and so just hang with us but uh this coming sunday uh we should have a lot of things in place and we are just really really excited about the new stage and we got a brand new soundboard that came in this past week so we're praying that that's hooked up, but we got the best top-of-the-line state-of-the-art soundboard that you can get, and uh, it's going to be a massive, monumental improvement in so many ways. So anyway, there's just lots of good stuff going on, all right? Pastor Katie's going to give you the announcements for this week. Real quickly, do you know in your life that sometimes things happen in God's timing and not your own? You know, just saying, it's not always comfortable, but it's a thing, and it's right on time every time. So I can tell you that about this building Um, that what the Lord has done in this building, had we planned it on our own or our board had planned it on their own, it would have been like a five-year project. 
and we would have, you know, done pledges for it and all. The Lord just made it happen in less than a couple of months. Like it's just a miracle. So just really, really awesome. Um, your toilets look so nice. Okay. And no one has gone in them yet. So I just, I know that's silly, but it's like a thing, right? Like I'm so excited to give you these new toilets for you to be first to go in. Uh, Sorry. It's a thing, right? But when you go into those bathrooms, you can praise Jesus because it's a bathroom from Jesus. It's a thing. Anyway, yes, we're that kind of church. I apologize. I had no idea where that was going. All right. It's fine. Listen, when you go to the bathroom, you're going to think of that. And you're going to think, thank you, Jesus, for these bathrooms, right? And you're going to be so excited for all of you to actually wash your hands before you leave the bathroom. It's going to be great. I'm really excited about it. So the bathrooms are looking amazing. Um, The lights are coming in this week. The things that we're waiting on are the carpet for the platform. Um, The platform is like looking so great. It's for the Lord. And, um, the space is, is significantly different. We're going to think, wow, that's enormous until Miss Betty and Miss Cindy and Miss Melissa pull off the children's program at Christmas. And then we're going to really be excited that Jesus did that for us. So it's going to be really, really cool. Don't miss out on all that the Lord is doing in his house this year for Christmas and for Thanksgiving and come and just honor what he's done in his house, right? Because it wasn't by our power or by our strength. It was all by his. Praise the Lord. So what is coming this coming Sunday? Okay, so apparently none of you know that. Thanksgiving, our giant family Thanksgiving is coming this coming Sunday. I had someone tell me this week that that was this, this Sunday last year was their first time here and they were like oh we don't know if we're going to go to that service we don't know what it is and I thought well we don't explain it because we just think you all know what a family Thanksgiving is all of us get together and eat Thanksgiving together next week so next Sunday morning we'll have service and following service all this area over here will all be lunch and we'll get together and have a family Thanksgiving and talk to each other and eat a bunch of food. It's going to be wonderful. And at that service, there are lots of things that you won't get to eat except for at that service. Because some of the ladies and gentlemen in our church family make some amazing food. So whether or not you bring anything, that's fine. Come and eat with us. Just join us because you're part of our family and we love you. And we want to sit with you, right? Yay, Thanksgiving. So it'll be fun to get together next week. They are passing around a clipboard that if you would like to bring something, sign your name. Currently, there are two turkeys, two hams, and there was another set of two something. Two additional. Okay, there's four kinds. Somebody's bringing bitteria. Is that right? And uh, turkey and ham. So if you want to listen, it's that kind of thing. Like we just put it all on the table and you can pick what you want. It's a buffet. It's like Golden Corral. Anyway, praise the Lord. So Thanksgiving is coming in conjunction with Thanksgiving. We have a few things going on. This Thursday is servant leadership. And if you are involved in serving here, you would like to be involved in serving here or more connected or in leading, you meet with us 630 Victory Hall behind this building this Thursday. We're going to have a very short meeting and then we're going to help get the sanctuary ready for Thanksgiving. Okay, so 630 is set up for Thanksgiving. Um, and then Friday, there's some teams getting together. I do need some help cleaning Friday evening. So 
Who wants to help me clean Friday evening? Anybody? Okay. Okay. Awesome. Are you taking names? Des? Taking names. Okay. Ooh, two hands. Yes. Friday at six o'clock. Okay. We'll party. Maybe I'll bring pizza or something. Friday at six o'clock. Thank you guys for helping us clean. Awesome. So we'll make sure that everything is super clean for you and you'll get really excited about those bathrooms since we're laughing about it the entire service today. Operation Christmas Child, those boxes in the back. Um, if you have not brought yours in, I need it here today. We are loading them up tonight to take them to be ready for shipping. Um, I've had a couple of questions about the $10 in conjunction with that. The $10 is just so you can track your package. Um, you don't need to make that donation unless you're wanting to track it. But you can also make donations just to Operation Christmas Child or Samaritan's Purse at any time with those same QR codes. Okay. Christmas came early. is coming. Yes. <laughs> so the Sunday night after Thanksgiving... We all get together and eat cookies and have just a before Christmas Christmas party because we know with the Christmas season, we all get really busy. And sometimes we forget to enjoy each other or to remember to bring people with us. So the Christmas came early party is us and all of our kids and all the grandkids and everybody. We just get together and we exchange cookies and we exchange gifts. And Leah Mata, who is serving this morning and not in here, she's our children's church director. One time a year, we allow thievery inside the church. One time a year. And so they'll do the gift exchange and then you can steal people's gifts. And it just, it's a whole bunch of nonsense, but it's a whole lot of fun. And we would like for you and your family and whoever you want to bring with you to come. Uh, the gifts are $5. You don't, you're not buying them here, but you're going to purchase a gift. And that gift has to be $5 or less. And children, it's $1 or less. Okay. And it's okay for them to be hilarious. Okay. We did have someone bring a package of toilet paper one year and wrapped it really nice. And everyone wanted that gift. It was just really funny. Yeah. In 2020, that was a big gift. Okay. Ladies, girls night out at the rock is happening this year. If you have never been to Girls' Night Out at the Rock, it is just the most wonderful girls' night out ever. And there are some little postcards on the info booth about that. Or you can go to womenrock.us. That's their website, womenrock.us. And it'll give you some more information. We're not going to do like a group and organize rides and all that this year. If you want to go, get you and your ladies together. Go to womenrock.us and get your tickets. And it will be a super, super fun night. Also, we are doing a Christmas concert here with Laura Cook, Tony Cook's daughter, um, who has done this amazing missions thing where she has taken the gospel and put it into seven songs and is translating it around the world. What's amazing about that is sometimes you can't get Bibles into a country, but you can always get music into a country. And so she's taking the gospel of Jesus and sending it into countries all around the world. And it's just so fun and so cool. But she also has an amazing voice and does this really elegant, beautiful Christmas concert. So we would love for you to join us. It's going to be 7 o'clock on December 16th. So there'll be more about that on our social media and the website and all that. So December 16th, 7 o'clock, make sure that you are with us. Okay, now speaking of with us, if you are with us for the very first time or the first time in a long time, can you wave at me? Wave at me. We have a gift for you. Miss Sabrina in the lavender is going to bring you some information about the church. She's over here and over there. Yeah, both ways. 
Uh, raise your hand over here if you're new over here. Hi, friend. Nice to have you with us. Sabrina has some information about the church. And there's a little card in there. If you'll fill out that card and drop it at the info booth, we have a gift in conjunction with this that we would like to give you. So I don't know his name, but I'm super glad to have you with us. And this lady over here is Erica. Not to make things awkward, but we love you, Erica. Glad to have you with us. And Charles is with us for the first time. So we have a lot of new people with us today. So if you don't know them, go and hug them. Maybe fist bump them if they don't want those kind of hugs. Um, this weekend, <laughs> this weekend um, was also a very, very important day, Veterans Day. And we want to make sure, yes, we want to make sure and honor that here today. So we have a video that we would like to share with you. And then we have some gifts for our veterans. we can ever do for our heroes is remember them and remember what they did and memories are transmitted through words ask not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country Let's hear it for our veterans this morning. Praise the Lord. Yes, the best in the world. We love you guys so much. Amen. All right. Well, uh, what we, we have some gifts for every uh, veteran, every active duty service member that's with us today. We would like to uh, have, have you come up front for just a minute, and uh, we, want, we have a gift for you. So if you are a veteran or active duty, please come forward. And I know sometimes you guys don't like the attention, but we want to give it to you. So please come on up and line up right here. Amen. Let's just line up, uh, like starting here, and we'll go down that way. Amen. Let's hear it for these guys. Yeah. Praise the Lord. All right. Yes. Very good. Well, we have, we love these guys and they're just the best of the best. Come on up, brother. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about today. Amen. So. Uh, what we got is we have a, a gift, and so um, come on down, guys. We They did it up this year, uh, so we've got what a lovely little assistant here, too. Lily is going to help us pass out the gifts. But uh, So we're going to just, we just want to ask you your name and what branch you served in and for how long, and then we got a gift for you. So most people know Sergeant Valdez here, but. Robert, 27 years in the Army. 27 years in the U.S. Army. Come on, brother. Yeah. Amen. All right, got a gift. 
Hey, brother, what's your name? Ramon Britt. Uh, Army, three years. All right, thank you, brother. Thank you. All right, we got a gift. Good job, Lily. All right, brother, what's your name and what branch were you? My name is Charles. I'll be in bed. I will leave six weeks. I can also I'll be in the U.S. because I don't speak good English. Yeah, so thank you. Don't let me be here. You know, yeah. Thank you, brother. Thank you. God bless you. Okay, a lot of you guys know this gentleman right here, sir. <laughs> oh, Walter, uh, 10 years Army. 10 years in the Army for Walter. All right. Thank you, brother. All right, here we go. We know this guy. Frank Casillas, U.S. Army, paratrooper, 20 years. 20 years, yeah. All right. Chris, 14 years, Army. All right, he's currently in there right now, so currently serving. All right. I didn't do nearly that time. Uh, Dylan Johnson, United States Navy. All right, yes. Thank you, brother. Raul Reyes, nine years Army. All right, Raul, nine years in the Army. Aaron Britt, uh, four years Army. All right, yes, he's active duty, currently serving, all right. Jesus Medina, going on my 11th year, Army. 11 years, wow, praise God. All right, sir. George Zamora, U.S. Army. All right, thank you, brother, thank you. All right, so we got a gift for all these guys, and then did you tell me that there was an additional, or I'll let her explain this. they got something else up their sleeve here, too. So Joel here and Miss Liliana would like to share with each of your families a toy soldier to remind you to pray for our military. So they're going to come around as we're being seated and getting ready for offering, and if you would take that toy soldier and put it somewhere in your home or on the dash of your car just to remind you to stop and pray, okay? All right. Thank you guys so much. Let's hear it for our veterans one more time. Thank you guys. You are the absolute best. We appreciate you so much. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get in, get into our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And so I'm going to have a uh, brother Lawrence Mata come up this morning. And all right. Lawrence is going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And then right after that, you got a little um, little reminder last week that it is uh, my parents, Pastor and Mrs. P's uh, 40th wedding anniversary this month. And so uh, after Lawrence does regular tithes and offerings, I'm gonna Pastor Katie's gonna talk about them for just a minute, and we're gonna do a love offering for them. They are in Brooklyn, New York, for the next few weeks, so you won't be seeing them, but they'll be back uh, here in December. And we want to honor them though, because 40 years is a pretty uh, it's a pretty good long run. Amen. So all right. All right, let's go to uh, Malachi 3.10 first. And then, what time is it? I didn't feel the happiness, but we're going to go. Thank you, Dylan. Go Navy. All right, so if you need an envelope, raise your hand, and someone will put an envelope in your hand if you need it. But a lot of times when Pastor Dave asks me to do the offering, I'm usually saying what the offering's going to. But... I, I felt compelled this time to say why we offer, why we do tithing. And this verse sums it up. So 
Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this. Try me now is like saying, test me. But says the Lord of hosts, If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room, not be enough room to receive it, then here's the part of why. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So that I will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So that's saying, we've all heard like why we give the offerings, like what it goes to. We know it goes to uh, uh, our pastor's salary to turning the lights on, but it's also saying there's a little insurance behind it. It's going to protect the finances that you already have. It's going to multiply the finances that you already have. It's like, and, and there's a part where it says, try me. And I'm sorry, my, my mind sometimes goes to like food. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about Costco. Who's ever been to Costco? Everybody. Don't, don't lie. I, a lot of hands are not raised and you're lying. You're not supposed to lie in church. When you go, what do you usually do? Pastor Dave, if you're going to Costco, what are you going for when you first get there? Okay, before the hot dog. The free samples. That's right, Pastor Dave. Okay, so who has ever went? Yeah, who doesn't like free? I do. I don't. But do you ever go to what they're slinging and be like, oh, they're giving out free samples. Let me just buy the product. No. Who ever does that? No, nobody does. You want to try it first. Well, wouldn't you want to try it if the Bible is actually saying, hey, try it. Like, God's like saying, hey, I'm going to multiply the money. I'm going to protect your money. Try it. But we can't just do, I always love it when Pastor said, uh, if you, like, were being an idiot with your money for 28 years, and that's not his exact words. I'm paraphrasing, of course. If you're being an idiot with your money for 28 years, you can't expect God to fix it in a couple weeks. You have to be consistent with it. So you have to be consistent with your tithe. You have to give it time. And in time, it's going to make, I, I want to say ginormous, but I know that's not a real word, but let's use it. It's going to make ginormous effects in your finances. But you can't just be like, okay, well, I tithe for a month and nothing's happening. Because every single time, Pastor, Pastor Dave, somebody's up here giving testimony about tithing, it's because we know it works. And just like, I, you know, it's just kind of bunny trail, but I always give praise to Pastor and Pastor Dave when they talk about when uh, Pastor Dave was healed from cancer. And I remember somebody told me once, man, here they are telling that same story again about Pastor Dave in the hospital. Well, wouldn't you know it? That story hearing it over and over again prepped me for my son being in the hospital so you keep on repeating that story same thing with tithing you know you might hear like oh gosh here they're gonna they're gonna use malachi 310 again because it's showing what it does and what it will do it's going to increase the money that you have and it's going to protect the money that you have if you just give 10 percent. so don't be that person that's going to be like okay well you know what I'll give tithe. I'll start tithing when I start making more money. That's like the person that says, well, you know what? I'll get married when I got a better job. 
or I'll, have, I'll start a family when I'm more secure in my finances. That's probably never going to happen. So you got to like, you got to go all in now, be consistent with your tithe and put faith. Don't just be like, okay, well, here's $20. Let me drop it in the bucket and I gave my tithe. Well, put some faith behind that. If you're believing for a new car, well, then God, I'm planting this seed for a new car. God, I'm planting this seed for uh, my debt to be put away. I'm planting this seed for my uh, kids' college tuition or for my credit cards. Put some faith behind it because I'm telling you, I, I, I can probably sit up here for about an hour and give you just testimonies on tithing alone, the benefits of it. I'll give you one small thing and then we'll, we'll, we'll go on with it. So a couple weeks ago, we had a plumbing issue. And sometimes when you're like living check to check and, you know, your finances are not like the best, that might like throw you for a loop. You know, you're like, oh, gosh, a plumbing issue. We don't know what it is. When Leah told me what was going on, I'm like, call the plumber. We got an emergency fund for that. And believe it or not, we have two emergency funds. So it was like, just call the plumber. We were so secure in our finances. Like, like, you know, I mean, granted, we've been married 20 years. 20 years ago, $20 in debt probably would have threw us over the edge. Now it's like, oh, we had to pay so-and-so so much for the plumber, whatever. You know, we got it. God's got our back. He's protecting our house. He's protecting our finances. I always pray for my property, too, because it's like, hey, this was paid for with God's money. So, God, you're going to protect my, my pipes, too. So why not, right? Why not? So he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So if we're doubting God, it's never going to work for you. I'm telling you right now. If you think that it's, it, you know, like, oh, those are just nice, inspiring words in the Bible, then you're never going to see a change in your in your financial situation. But you will if you believe, put some faith behind your seed, and you do what the Bible says. So with that being said, let's do our stand-up. or. Oh, we're almost done. We're almost done. Almost. So I want to share with you a verse real quickly um, about our pastors. No, no, no. You're you're doing the financial faith confession, right? Oh, praise Jesus. Look at him walk away like that. Leave me cold shoulder. That's terrible. So mom and dad, pastor and Miss P, um, who came to this church 2005, and stuck out through real thin before it got thick, you know, <laughs> um, before any of all of this craziness went on. And they sacrificed amazing amounts, family, time, houses, kids, all that. Um, and I, I want to tell you a little story about them because I've always thought it was really funny. Um, when Pastor Dave and I got married, we knew that we liked each other. <laughs> you know, like I thought he was attractive. He thought I was you know, that kind of thing. Pastor and Miss P got married for Jesus, only Jesus. They left their wedding and went to a faith conference. Uh, and I always thought that was so funny. And the first time I met them, they were both sitting in matching plaid robes with their Bibles laid out on their laps. And I remember thinking, people live like that. People actually do that. And I just thought that was so sweet and so amazing. But my point in saying that is they have given their lives for Jesus. And it's never been about 
them and what they want and what they can get and what they can do. Nearly every vacation they've ever taken is either to get time alone with the Lord or to take their kids and bless their kids. So they're doing something for their anniversary that I thought was just the coolest. Because you know when someone's lived that life, when they go and they do something for themselves, you know that it's not selfish. So they said to us before they left, they're going to go on a Manhattan dinner cruise. Um, and so it's a very, very nice dinner cruise. And it's probably the only fancy thing that they have ever done. So I would like for us to get together and to pay for that dinner cruise to bless them for their anniversary. So the verse that I would like to read to you over that is 1 Timothy 5, verse 17 and 18. And we as a church have blessed them and honored them. We pay them. Um, but this is a moment of double honor for sure. So 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18 says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. And we know as far as Bible teaching, mom and dad are the ones who set it straight. You know, they're the ones who make sure our heads are on straight and we're living the word. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain and the laborer is worthy of his hire. So we have blessed them financially in making sure that they're taken care of while living here in Barstow and they're still living here in Barstow. They're not going anywhere, but I really want to make sure that we love them and bless them as they enjoy their anniversary and tell them just a huge thank you for all that they've done in our lives. So as we do our financial faith confession, um, there is a separate offering um, for them. If you're writing out a check to them, you can write it directly to them. We'll send it to them. Um, and if you did bring cards for them for their anniversary, you can go ahead and put that in there as well. And we'll make sure to mail it out to them this week. Um, online, if you're giving online, there is a memo section. So you can either do it in guest speaker or mark uh, pastor on the memo section of that if you're giving online as well. Okay, well, let's do our financial faith confession. Praise the Lord. And I said, I think it was Sunday night, when you get a microphone in your hand, all of a sudden, the words to the financial faith confession that you've said a hundred times, they just go away. Okay, so roll with me, all right? As we bring these tithes and offerings, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, Settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so that I take good care of my family, give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And as you bring your offering, come up to worship with us as well. Like Pastor Katie said, feel free to join us up front for worship. I give you my attention, all my focus, pushing off these limits in this moment. I feel your spirit moving all around me, come and have your way. I'm looking at these dry bones, you're reviving, the faith inside of my soul, you're igniting, you're calling me to levels that are higher, I can 
Until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Do that again. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I am held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will see. Oh, the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful Of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. When my life rain down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Running after me 
good to us. And we know your mercy endures forever. Your mercies are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. We love you so much. We praise your name today. We lift you on high, Jesus. We thank you so much. Now, as we're singing that, I, you know, it says your goodness is running after me. And that always reminds me of the 23rd Psalm where it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's exactly the Lord's will for us. You know, as we make him our shepherd, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. As we make him our shepherd, man, goodness and mercy, they follow after me all the days of my life. It's a good life when you're serving Jesus. It's a good life. He's always there for us. He always comes through for us. He's always our shepherd and never forget that. Even if you're facing difficulty today, it's okay. The Lord is your shepherd. He's got it under control, but you got to remember that and keep your faith in Jesus. Amen. He is so good to us. Hallelujah. Well, let's raise our hands one more time this morning. Jesus, we love you so much and we thank you for all that you are. There is no one like you in all the earth, Jesus. There's no one else even close to you. And we ask that you would have your way here today. Speak to us, Lord. We want to hear the truth. You said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so, Jesus, we've got ears to hear today. Our hearts are open. Our ears are open. And we pray that you would speak to us. You know what each one of us needs to hear, Father. We love you, and we praise your holy name today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Amen. Hallelujah. He is good to us. All right, you can make your way to your seats this morning. And we're going to kind of get into the Word of God here. But we're going to have a really good time uh, as we study His Word today. Amen. Who loves the Word of God? Yeah, we're at the right place. It's High Desert Word Center. All right, well, we're going to get into this. Um, if you remember last week, we kind of started uh, what's going to be a Sunday morning series for the month of November. And actually, I'm probably going to have to do a few of these messages on Wednesday night and Sunday nights because I, I, I did my math and I'm like, there's no way I'm fitting all this into like three Sundays. So anyway, uh, but but what what we're doing is we're taking a look at 10 skills, 10 skills that every Christian needs, 10 skills that every Christian needs because in the Christian life, in your faith life, there's certainly gifts that the Lord just gives to us. There's gifts, but then there's some things that we work on or we work at to get better at. And have you ever known somebody that is really skilled at their job? Maybe someone's like uh, a good welder or maybe someone's really good at carpentry or, or someone's just really skilled at something. Well, they've got a gift, you know, for that from the Lord for sure. But when they work on that skill, they can get really, really effective at using it. And so last week we looked at a couple of skills uh, that every Christian needs. And we're going to look at a few more this week. And these are things that I believe will make you a more effective and victorious Christian, because it is the will of God that we would always triumph in Christ Jesus. Do you know that today that Jesus wants you to win? You got to know that 
if you think that he's here pulling for you to lose, then then you're just going to be all all confused. Listen, it's his will for you to be victorious and triumphant and to have the victory in your life. And there's some things that we can look at in the word where you can get better skilled at the Christian life and I believe start seeing some more victories. Okay. Now, if you need an outline for the sermon, uh, the ushers, they have some outlines right there. And if you raise your hand, they'll give you one. You can follow along and kind of make sense of what we're saying today. Uh, but this week we're going to look at a couple of more skills that every Christian needs. And I believe that, uh, as we study this, the Lord's going to speak to you today. All right. And so last week we looked at, uh, skills that Christians need. The first one was is that you need to be able to control your mouth. Who thinks that's a good idea? And some people are like, well, I just didn't get that gift from God. Well, it's not necessarily a gift, but it is something you can work on. Now, the thing about gifts is, hey, if I, a, a gift, you know, some people get a certain gift and others may not get that same gift. But a skill, that's open to everybody. Everybody could work on a certain skill. Now, some people might be better at that skill, but when it comes to a skill, that's open to everybody. That's free game. You can still work on it, even if you didn't get the gift of being able to shut your mouth when you need to. Amen? All right. Hey, man, that went over real big. It was about like that last week, too. And also, we talked about the uh, the skill of that Jesus showed us in Mark 11, 22 through 24, about speaking under the mountain. And that's something that Jesus used. And he said that whosoever shall say unto the mountain. And so it was certainly meant for any Christian that would speak under the mountain and command it to be removed. All right. And so this week, we're going to look at number three and number four of skills that every Christian needs. All right, let's pray one more time and we're going to get into God's word. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your holy written word. Lord, it is everything that we need. It is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so thank you, Jesus, that as we open our Bibles and open the word of God today, you are going to speak to us and show us precisely what we need to see, Lord. And you're going to change us for the better so we can be a better servant, a better Christian, a better soldier in the army of God. We love you and we praise you for it today. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? amen. All right, here we go. This is the number three skill. And I got this because I always watch these survival shows on, you know, skills that you would need to survive in the wilderness. Now, so far, I've never come across being in an actual survival situation. But one of these days, I may need them. And so anyway, I study these survival skills. And there's always like 10 skills every man needs. And and so I was thinking about it. And, I, you know, I, I drew a little inspiration. I said this last week because... I don't watch a lot of movies, but the few that I do, I try to get as much out of as I can. And so I was watching Napoleon Dynamite, right? I mean, well, that's an inspirational film that if you're, you probably, you're like, I, man, this preacher is not deep at all. Okay, it's good. But, but I was watching Napoleon Dynamite, and he's like, you need skills. You need nunchuck skills, computer hacking skills, bow hunting skills, because girls like a guy that has skills. And I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, you need skills. So... Christians need skills of the faith also, all right? And so number three today is this, or this is number three, or ten. number three is how to encourage others. How to encourage others. And you're like, oh, how's that going to help me? Well, we'll get to that. But one thing that you got to realize that as a Christian, life is no longer only about you. Do you get that? When you become a Christian, when you receive Jesus, life is no longer only about you. If you are only living for yourself, you're going to have a very empty and vain life. 
I'm just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If your life is only about, man, how much can we get? You know what they say, the American dream to get all you can, can all you get, so you can sit on your can someday, right? That's not, that's not the goal here. Our goal is that we can be an influence upon others. And so, yes, it is a absolutely essential skill for you as a Christian, if you're going to grow any further, that you learn how to encourage others. And one big reason for this is, hey, you reap what you sow. Do you know that? You reap what you sow. And often we, we use that verse and people are thinking about money or about something else, but you reap what you sow. Seed time and harvest is a spiritual law that applies to every area of your life. And so if you sow seeds of encouragement to others, you're much more likely to get it back when you need it someday. And you need to remember that. And another great reason to get really good at encouraging others is, well, hey, it's a New Testament command. That's a pretty good reason right there. If the Bible says to do something, that's really all the reason I need right there. I don't need bribed with other goodies. Uh, that should be good enough reason right there. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Yeah, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. I like it when we're getting excited about the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11. And being an encouragement to other people, I can't tell you how huge of a part of the Christian life that is. Because when you join the Christian family, that's exactly what it is. It's a family. And families should be there for each other. And you might, well, yeah, they don't go to my church, though. Hey, they're part of your family. They're a, they're a child of God. Am I right? Yeah, they don't, but they don't live in, in my state. They don't live in this country. Hey, listen, if they are a born again child of God, that's all I need. They are a part of my family. They're my brother. They're my sister. And I'm going to encourage them when they need it. So first Thessalonians five and verse 11. Now this is, uh, I mean, this is absolutely, uh, an essential thing for us as New Testament Christians. First Thessalonians five and verse 11. And he tells us this, so encourage each other. That, I mean, how can't, it can't get any more plain than that. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Did it say, hey, tear each other down and call each other names because people need that? No. And I mean, I don't know. There's so many people that think the best way to teach somebody something is to insult them and put them down. And I just know for me, that's not how I learn very well. If you tell me how stupid I am and how worthless I am, that doesn't really motivate me. Some people it does. You know, they like to get roughed up, but that doesn't motivate me. And and so I'm telling you right now, it, it, it tells us to encourage each other and build each other up. And yes, there are plenty of people, even Christians, who think it's their job to tear other people down or to be the spiritual police of everybody else. Right? You know these people? Maybe you're one of them. I don't, don't raise your hand if you are, but, but I'm telling you that there's people like they think it's their job to just point out everybody else's shortcomings. Now I'll say that as a Christian, there's a time and a place for helping other people to stay on the right path. But I have found this out in my Christian walk that people are much more likely to listen to what I have to say if I've done more encouraging than I've done discouraging of them. You get that? Yeah, I just don't know why no one ever listens to me. It's like, I've got great advice. Yeah, but have you ever thought about your delivery? 
<laughs> I mean, some of you need to work on your delivery. You may have a wonderful, dainty morsel of truth that is, it's totally right. You are 100% right, but delivery is everything. Nobody wants to hear the truth after they've been put down on and, listen here, dummy, what you need to do is, Hey, you lost me a dummy, all right? <laughs> I'm not going to listen to what else you have to say, even if it's right. But Paul told us in Ephesians that we are to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And so you may wonder why you have no influence. And if you are consistently rude and discouraging your influence dwindles and dwindles and dwindles. And so as a Christian, we are to be an encouragement, not a discouragement. And also I found this, that encouraging other people can push them over the top when they need it the most. Have you ever been in a spot where you didn't think you could make it through that and somebody came and somehow, some way gave you the encouragement to not quit but to keep on going. I love people like that. And that's what we're called to be. So I heard this story, all right, about a group of frogs, a group of frogs. And and you're thinking, wait, I thought children's church was next door. No, this is the adult sermon, all right? So there's this group of frogs walking along and two of them fell into a deep hole, two of the frogs out of the group. So the others began telling them how hopeless the situation was and they'd never get out. Sorry, guys, you're never going to make it. You can't do it. And and they were not encouraging the other frogs at all. So one of the two frogs, he tried jumping and doing everything he could to get out of there. Eventually, he realized they're right. Uh, He believed the other frogs that were saying, you'll never do it. So he just laid over and died. He just gave it up. But the other frog... He kept jumping higher and higher, and these guys are yelling at him, you can't do it, what's your problem? Just give up. And he keeps jumping higher and higher and eventually gets out. And they're like, what in the world? How did you do that? He's like, thank you guys, I'm really, I'm, I'm, a, I'm hard of hearing. I couldn't say what you were, I couldn't hear what you were saying, but I could tell you were cheering me on. Thank you, your encouragement pushed me over the final hump. And so for some of us, you don't realize it, but check it out, you can do it. You can do it. Don't give up now. And your words of encouragement to somebody else could be the final little push they need to make it out of the pit that they are in. Amen? So encouraging others, yeah, it can save someone else's life. And I'm going to tell you this this morning, that one thing that I've learned is you never know what someone else is going through. You never know. And if you will always keep that small truth in mind, it will change the way that you interact with other people. Because if I've got that in mind and somebody that's typically a nice person is grumpy that day or not being themselves, I don't instantly think, oh my gosh, she is such a jerk. I can't stand her. Oh, I'm going to tell her what I think. No one talks to me that way. Yeah, that, uh, listen. If you can keep in mind, wait a minute, I don't know what she's going through right now. She may have had something going on and because she's not normally like that. But as a Christian, what are we supposed to do? Listen, you need to put yourself in other people's shoes. I realize this is not the deepest theological sermon of all time. I'm giving you some very simple elementary level life advice right now. Listen, you never know what someone else is going through. Cut people some slack. Because when you show up and you're rude to everybody, and you, what do you think to yourself? They just don't know what I'm going through right now. 
you don't know what other people are going through. And, 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 and I'm telling you, if somebody is not being themselves, if they're not normally like that, they may be going through something that they're too embarrassed to talk about, that they can't even talk about. Your job as a Christian brother or sister is to encourage them, not get on your high horse and say, I demand respect. Nobody can talk to me that way. Epic sign of immaturity. Epic sign. I'm just telling you right now. You need to get that out of your mind and get that out of your life. Now, if you're consistently grumpy and moody, don't raise your hand, but if you're consistently grumpy and moody, uh, no one's going to notice when you're actually going through something Uh, because you're just being your normal self, right? And so don't like, man, why don't no one encourage me? Well, you're just doing what you always do, so no one noticed anything different because you're usually like that. Uh, But but if, if you're not always like that, People are much more likely to say, man, something's not right with him. That's not who he normally is. But listen, you never know what someone else is going through. I, I, I read this story actually out of, a, of one of the books in the bookstore um, from Kenneth Hagin. But he told this story about Stan the Man Musial. If you don't know, he was a baseball player, all right? He was a Hall of Fame uh, baseball player for the St. Louis Cardinals. He played 22 seasons with them, but the year that he was having his absolute best season of his entire career, the catcher from the Cardinals, his name was Del Rice, was having his worst season of his entire career. The the home team fans were booing him. Uh, he couldn't seem to do anything right. He was striking out. He was dropping balls. He he was just he was a he was a mess. People were booing. People were like, oh, we need to trade him. Everybody was down on him. But what most people didn't realize, this was in the 40s, his his wife was at home dying of cancer. And so as he was sitting there playing catcher, he was looking through his mask, and he didn't see the baseball coming at him at 98 miles an hour. He saw his wife laying on a bed dying. And, and he was just fumbling and causing error after error and and people nobody got it and he wasn't going to announce it to the world he was just he was going through the worst time of his life and uh, of course back then baseball players didn't make 500 billion dollars a week and so uh he he didn't show up to to play ball he didn't make money and things got so bad with his medical bills for his wife that you know they they moved to the you know one of the worst parts of the of the city of St. Louis they lived in basically just a little rundown house on the the banks of the Mississippi River and uh one night after he had given his wife a shot uh, to kind of help ease the pain, she finally dozed off to sleep. He throws the door open and stumbles out onto the porch and just falls down into a heap, weeping. And and he does he doesn't know what to do. His his career is basically gone. His wife looks like she's gone. Everything's gone. And he feels an arm around his shoulder and he's like, "Who in the world is that?" He looks up. It's the Hall of Famer, the best baseball player in the world, Stan the Man Musial. And and he's like, Musial, what are you doing here? He's like, you know what? You need a friend right now. And he's like, you? But you, you're, you're the man. Everywhere you go, there's cameras, there's money, there's people begging. Why are you here in the worst part of town right now? He's like, don't say another word. You need a friend. I'm not going anywhere. And he stayed there with him all night long. What a Christian thing to do right there, to be there for somebody in their absolute lowest moment, because sometimes you 
do not know what somebody else is going through. And so I want to tell you some ways that you can encourage others, all right? Some ways that you can encourage others. And and uh, a couple of these are just, I believe, very, very obvious. But A, through Scripture, right? Scripture. And I can't tell you how uh, how awesome it is when somebody just, you know, God puts a Scripture on your heart and puts somebody's face. Hey, text them that verse. And one thing that I learned when I was younger, I, I probably should have put this on there, but I, I'm absolutely praying for people. Have you ever been just going through your day and God keeps putting somebody's face in front of your mind? And it's, you know, it's not somebody that you're usually sitting there thinking about, but you just keep seeing their face. Do you know what that is, Christian? That's the Holy Spirit saying, pray for them. Pray for them. Now, the mature Christian will stop what they're doing and pray for that person. And I can't tell you how many times, man, somebody's just called me or texted me or messaged me and said, man, I just, you, I just keep, uh, you keep coming to my mind. I've been praying for you today. And I'm like, thank God you have, because you have no idea what I'm dealing with right now. Now, oftentimes I've found this out too, man, maybe, uh, God's kept putting, uh, somebody on someone else's heart and they just keep ignoring it. And that person is sitting there in discouragement. God, man, I wish you'd send somebody. And God's been talking to this Christian right here. Hey, call them, text them. And they kept ignoring it. And then this person that feels all down and lonely, they're like, man, why won't no one come to me? God's been knocking on these people's doors saying, hey, call her, text her. But they ignored. Never ignore when the Holy Spirit is putting someone before you. They need to, they need prayer and they need to, they need to hear from you or something right then, but don't ignore it. God's trying to get your attention to pray for them. Don't you need it when somebody, uh, when, when you're down and out, don't you need somebody to be there to pray for you? Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Don't do it because then he'll quit talking to you and find somebody that'll actually listen to him. And then you're going to be one of those Christians that says, man, the spirit don't ever talk to me. I don't ever hear anything from God. Yeah, he tried talking to you and you ignored him. So he found somebody else. All right. Letter B, we're going to talk about ways to encourage. A, we said scripture. Uh, A and a half, we said prayer. And then B, we're going to say encouraging words, encouraging words. And again, if you've taken the love languages test, who's, who all's done that? Come on, you've taken the love language test. If I've done your wedding, you've taken the love language test. So, you know, raise your hand. But at the same time, we got the love language test. And one of the things is encouraging words. And you may be like, well, I didn't score high for encouraging words. Well, that's okay. You're still a Christian. You need to speak encouraging words into other people's lives. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And one thing that I found is you don't realize how highly other people may think about you. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's unwrap that, all right? So this is all, um, none of this is planned. It's just rolling. But but you don't realize the power and the impact of your words because you have a gift called influence. And you may think, well, I don't have, you know, I didn't get much gifts. I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't, no, no, no. All of us, you have a gift called influence. And there are people in your life that you have influence over and you don't realize it. They look at you and they see this, this mature Christian and they see this person of faith. And you may look at yourself and be like, I don't get it. How do you know that? How do I know that? Because I do that. People come up to me and like, man, I look up to you and I'm like, me? 
Are you talking, the redneck from Indiana? What are you talking about here? Come on. I, no, why would, and I don't get it. And, and so I've had to start reminding myself, you need to start at least seeing yourself as, you know, other people do, but especially how God sees you is the biggest thing. But you don't realize it, but you're encouraging words to somebody else. You, you may think it's just some little thing, but it could be the thing to absolutely save their life or change them forever. And, and you think I'm joking, but I'm absolutely not. You need to get really good at, at this. And so one thing that I do is sometimes I'll pick a day of the week, and a lot of you have probably received this from me. I'll be like, okay, this Friday, I'm just going to text as many of the church members as I can that I love them. I'm, I want to encourage them and say something nice. And so sometimes you may get some random spontaneous text or, or a, a message from me, and, and you know, like, where'd that come from? Well, the Lord put you on my heart. I just want to say I wanted to encourage you and tell you I love you. And if it annoys you, well, then that's fine. But if it helped you out, then that's even better. Amen. And so make some effort. Here we go. All right. Here's a challenge for you this week. Find somebody that's not within your normal, you know, realm and do something encouraging for them. Can you do that? That's not hard. This is easy. But this is something that a Christian, a skill, they need to get really, really good at. And did you know that one of the main reasons for coming to church is to encourage each other? Now, there's a lot of reasons, okay? Uh, you know, one of the big ones is to praise God, to hear the Word of God. You know, these are all huge parts of it, to serve in the house of God. But another New Testament big reason for coming to church is to encourage each other. Look at Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Hebrews 10:25. Are we getting anything today? We're talking about encouraging others. And this is a skill that the Christian needs to learn. And this may not sound like, you know, one of those messages where you want to go running and jumping and dancing through the aisles. And that's all right. But this is something that you need to learn, man. How to encourage others. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Now... Again, this is this is all the reason I need right here for being someone that goes to church. But uh, Hebrews 10 and verse 25, and it tells us this. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Well, what are we doing right now? We're meeting together. Good job. You didn't neglect it today. But it says, as some people do. But what? Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so it says, hey, don't neglect meeting together, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so, yeah, we're supposed to motivate one another. We're supposed to be there for each other, but we're supposed to especially encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Who knows that the day of his return is drawing near? It's a whole lot closer than it was even a year ago, okay? And so it is vital that we obey this part of the Bible. And I heard Dr. Barclay kind of, he mentioned this, that if you develop a track record of being inconsistent and missing all the time, eventually it's just such a normal thing that people expect it of you, and they're probably not going to come hunting you down, you know, when they don't see you for a while. And that sounds mean, but I think about that. Some people are, you know, I'm, again, this is just telling the truth that, you know, hey, no one chased me down. No one came hunting. No one came banging on my door and begging me to, you know, and I'm like, well, hey, when you develop an inconsistent track record, people just expect inconsistency of you. And they're not going to come begging and hunting you down every time that you go inconsistent. And so if you're a consistent, 
stable Christian and something happens, people are going to notice and be like, oh, wait, that's not like them. Where are they? What's going on? All right. And so one of the big reasons for us to be in church is to encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. All right. Let's go to number four out of out of the ten. Number four. That we're only going to cover these two today, but we're talking about ten skills every Christian needs. Number four is how to encourage yourself. This is a skill that you need. <laughs> how to encourage yourself? Yeah, but I thought everybody else was supposed to do that. Well, they should be. But what if they don't? Because <laughs> hey, guess what? Sometimes in my life, I needed encouragement and nobody else did it. So what did I got to do? I had to learn how to encourage myself. And it's a biblical thing on how to do it. And so, yeah, the goal is, is that as we become more and more connected to the body of Christ, is that you get this great support system of encouragement. But there's times when no one else is around. Are you ever having a bad day at work? And I'm not there with you? <laughs> Man, I sure wish Pastor Dave was here right now, but I'm not. I, I failed that day. I went to my own thing here at the office, and and you're out there at Fort Irwin on your own, and I'm not there. Or you know, or well, you know, the other church family, they're not there, and you're all alone. And the only people you work with are certainly not encouraging you in the Lord. You know, maybe not all of your coworkers are like, "It's okay, buddy. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength." Right? I mean, if that's your work environment, good for you. But most people, that is not their work environment. They're just hearing all these words and all these negative things all day long. And most of their coworkers aren't there encouraging them in the Lord and taking a lunchtime devotional. And so I promise you that a massive skill you need to learn is how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And so let's look at a story here in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel 30, amen. We're going to look at King David. Who loves David? Thank you, thank you. First Samuel 30, and this is a story. David became an absolute expert at encouraging himself. He mastered this. And we're going to look at some things in the Psalms also to show us this. But First Samuel chapter 30, and here we have David had, and his, uh, his army. They had been out uh, at battle, and they come back. And uh, they were attacked by the Amalekites, and they stole all their stuff. They burned their village to the ground. David and his army gets back, and everyone is just tore up. They're like, no, no. And so all the men are melting down and weeping and, and crying, and, and their wives and children have been uh, kidnapped. And, and all their goods have been stolen. And everybody's just, it's just a chaotic situation. Everybody's angry. And then they all decide that they're going to turn on David and be like, You! It's your fault! You let us out to war. And then this happened. And so, the man that was their hero and their role model and the, and the, you know, the man that was the man just yesterday, now he's the man that they hate. And they're blaming all their troubles on him. And so here's what happens in first Samuel chapter 30 and verse six. And, uh, and, and David was tore up. He was sad. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. Whoa. 
They're going to kill him for it. So David, he's already weeping and sad because he suffered his own loss. And now they're all going to come at him and try to kill him. This is a bad situation. But look at this. What happens? But David found strength in the Lord his God. Do you know where to find strength when you need it? Yeah, I just eat myself to happiness. That's not healthy. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, yeah, I just go out and punch the walls. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Listen, David found strength in the Lord is God, but I especially love the way that the King James Bible translated this, this, this last part right here. The King James says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself And the Lord is God. David was in a spot where there was nobody there to encourage him. In fact, they all wanted to actually kill him. He was in a bad, bad spot. Now, as you study the Psalms, okay, we're going to look at a few. You'll see that this was a skill that David mastered. Now, I'm sure when he was on his home turf, he probably had uh, friends and family that could be of encouragement to him. But many, many times, David was surrounded by enemies. And in your life, maybe there's times when you are surrounded by some enemies. I don't know. Maybe you're surrounded by people that aren't there to encourage you. Now, many of you, maybe you've got just a couple hours of the entire week where you're, where you're not surrounded by negativity and strife and you're surrounded in a positive environment. Uh, you know, and maybe that's right here when you're at church. I get that. And I know that some people, they've got a lot going on at home. They've got a lot going on at work. They've got a lot going on everywhere. And they may be here for like two hours a week. This may be the only two hours of their entire week where they have peace of mind for a minute. And I take that real serious. And so if this is maybe your safe space for just a little bit of the week, we want to show you how to encourage yourself in the Lord your God, where, hey, and even if there's stuff going on at home, even if there's stuff going on at work, you can have the joy of the Lord as your strength everywhere that you go. And it's a real thing, and it is possible. And so I'm going to show you a few ways to encourage yourself in the Lord your God, just in case one of us is not, you know, perfect that day and encouraging you like we ought to be, or maybe somebody else is not doing it. And so check this out. The first thing we're going to say is this is a, you need to cling to God's word, cling to God's word. I'm not talking about, yeah, I, I like the Bible. I draw occasional inspiration from it. I open up the Bible app and get the verse of the day. Like, that's good. I believe you should do that, but that's not clinging to God's word. That's not making it your foundation. Now, if you'll cling to it, if you'll make his word your absolute foundation in life, that's a whole other level and and you won't regret it. I promise you. But look at Psalm 119, Psalm 119. So we're going to look at a few different Psalms of David here. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 117 is the shortest. Psalm 118 is the absolute middle chapter of the entire Bible. And Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And the whole uh, chapter of Psalm 119 is David talking about how much he loves God's word. And it's it's beautiful to read. And uh, it's broken down into uh, about 10 or 11 verses per little uh, section. It's a Hebrew poem. But Psalm 119, and we're going to look here. 
at verse 28. And this is, again, David talking about how much God's word helps him, how much he loves God's word. So Psalm 119, we're going to look here at verse 28. Now, David was a man that was in touch with his emotions, all right? He, you know, you read the Psalms and and if he was sad and weeping, he would talk about it. He didn't try to hide and say, I'm not crying. No, no, he... He, you know, he was, he wrote about it. And so Psalm 119 verse 28, he says, I weep with sorrow, but check it out. Encourage me by your word. Hallelujah. He didn't say, encourage me by just giving me a whole bunch of money. God, that would just, that would make everything better. No, he said, encourage me by your word. And I'm telling you, the word of God is the number one source of encouragement in my entire life. It's everything to me. I remember probably the worst time of the lowest, I don't know, just one of the worst times of my entire life. When Josh and I were teenagers, uh... The, the, the music minister at our church, uh, was a great man. He grew up, well, I mean, his kids grew up with, with us and he was 40 years old. He was, I mean, he was one of the biggest men in our entire life. Huge. A, a key man in our lives. All of our growing up. And when he was 40, he died unexpectedly. He sat, he fell off of a building on a construction site and it just, it rocked our world. It devastated us. I've never felt anything like it in my life. I've had loved ones die, um, but usually I had a heads up. (laughs) I knew it was coming. This was just, you know, one day he's there and the next day he's gone. It, it shook our world to the core. And I was uh, almost 15. I was 14 and I didn't know what to do. You know, my parents are having a hard enough time with it. Everyone's having a hard enough time with it. It was awful, the most terrible thing I've ever experienced. I didn't know what to do, but I knew this much. I got to cling to God's word because it's all that I know. So I would read the Bible. I would speak the Bible. And I got so serious about it that I would literally go to bed at night with a Bible under my arm, just like a little kid with a teddy bear. And some people be like, well, what did that do? I don't know. All I knew is I had to have God that close to me. And the best way I know to get close to God is his word because Jesus is the word, John 1 verse 1. And so I would read it when I was awake. I would speak it when I could, but even going to sleep, I didn't know what to do. We didn't have iPhones yet where I could just listen to it all night long. I just clung to that Bible like this all night long. And the word of God got me through that. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm telling you, if you need to encourage yourself in the Lord, the biggest, best way is to cling to God's word. And the second thing is this, be, is to sing praise to the Lord. Sing praise to the Lord. And, and, and I, this is such a big thing. This is huge for encouraging yourself. And the reason that it's so huge is because when you're really feeling down and out, you don't feel like singing. And if you do, you feel like singing some some dopey, sad song, you know, I don't know, whatever you say. Nobody knows the trouble. <laughs> That's not going to help anything, you know. And so, but if you would make yourself sing praise to God. In fact, David put it this way. He said, we're going to offer the sacrifice of praise. And when you really don't feel like it, but you force yourself to praise God, 
It's the sacrifice of praise. And God can do something with your sacrifice. Do you know that today? He can do something if you'll just lay it all out there before Him and sing to Him in your lowest moments. He can do something. It starts to stir the waters a little bit. And that has brought me through so many things. But I want to look at a classic example of David encouraging himself in the Lord because no one else was doing it for him. And this is Psalm 63. Check this out. Psalm 63. Amen. Are you still with me today? Amen. I love it when other people encourage me and some days they're not doing it. So I found out that I just got to do it myself some days and that's all right. That's a skill that every Christian needs. Psalm 63. And we're going to look here at verses one through five. And as we start this psalm, you know, it starts out, you can tell David's kind of a little bit down, but it starts escalating. And by the time you reach verse 5, I mean, he's just, he's praising the Lord. I love it how he may start off here, but he ends up way up here. And that's how it is whenever I'm offering the sacrifice of praise. I may start out right here. God, I don't really feel like this. But the more that I do it, I end up way up here. Psalm 63 Verses 1 through 5, he says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. And, and, and he's talking here, you know, he's in a, a low spot. He's like, I'm dry. There's nothing here. I'm, I, I need you. He says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Here we go. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Somebody praise him today. Come on. That's the Lord right there. He starts off way down here. And the more he does it, you know, he just lit the match. But the the more that he praised God, the fire grows bigger and bigger. And I love that. He says, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. And I can tell you what, I can get really satisfied at a good feast. Are you with me this morning? Hey, come on, you're going to be here next week for that free food. Let's go. Check it out. But listen to me. It's even more satisfying than the richest feast. He said, the King James, your loving kindness is better than life itself. And did you see what he did right there? He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And he did it through praising God with the song. That's the last thing he said. I will praise you with songs of joy. Now, this is a little difficult to do at first, but I promise you, if you will work on this skill, everything I'm talking about is a skill. None of this is a gift that just the people that like to sing can do. Even if you don't like to sing, even if you're not a good singer, it's part of being a Christian. Start learning how to sing to God, all right? And you're like, well, I don't want no one to hear it. Hey, it's not about them. It's for him, okay? And so you need to get to the place where even in your own quiet time with God that you sing to him. You need to read the word. You need to pray, but you also need to sing to God. It's part of being a well-rounded, stable Christian. And so it's hard at first to do this, but I promise you it's a skill. And just like whatever your job is, I don't know, maybe if you lay bricks or something, or if you cut hair, if you cook food, you got better at it the more you worked on that skill. 
And the more that you work on this skill right here, you can pull yourself out of a whole lot of slumps and a whole lot of uh, attacks from the enemy just by learning how to sing in the storm, how to how to sing when the devil's throwing it at you, how to sing and praise your way through it. It's a skill that every Christian needs. And so, see, this is the last thing we're going to say regarding this, about ways to encourage yourself in the Lord. See, you need to remind yourself of what he's already done. Remind yourself of what he's already done. And we preached about this on Wednesday night, at the Wednesday night service. Um, but we're going to look at one more psalm, and that's Psalm 103. But uh, we told this example on Wednesday, in 1 Samuel 17, David's facing Goliath, right? And, and, and he, as he's going out there, you know, Goliath's yelling all these things to him, but, and everyone's saying, David, you can't do it. King Saul says, you're just a kid. His brothers are like, you're just trying to get attention for yourself. You want to get famous on Instagram, so that's why you're going. And, you know, and, and you want to make a TikTok reel, what, you know, whatever. Is that what they call it? I don't know. So, you know, his brothers are like, you're stupid. You're a kid. The king is saying, you're going to get crushed. I mean, everybody is doubting him. But what does David do? He doesn't even stop to give them the time of day. He says, I faced the lion. I faced the bear. I faced predators and attackers against the sheep. This uncircumcised Philistine is nothing compared to God. What did he do? He was reminding himself of all the battles that God had already won in his life. And some of you, you may be facing something. You may feel like you're in a bad situation. What do you need to do? You need to start reminding yourself of all the things that God has already brought you through today. Amen. And so one thing that I've heard, this part isn't in the Bible, but, you know, I I think that it could be true. And uh, you notice that David took a staff, right? And he took five smooth stones. And I've heard it said that the shepherds, they would, they would, on the back of their staff, they would maybe carve into the back of it different victories that maybe they had won. And so, uh, it's, it's quite possible that David on the back of his staff right there, as he's taking it to face the giant, he probably had a little carving of a bear in it. He probably had a little carving of a, a lion in it. He probably had some other little carvings. And as he's walking out there, speaking out the things that God's already done, he's seeing that right before him saying, oh no, I beat this guy. I beat that one. I beat this enemy. I'm taking you down. And he said, I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed it to the beast of the field. Woo! <laughs> Come on. That's some guts from a teenage boy. But he did it. And he did it by reminding himself of what God had already done. And so here we have another uh, another beautiful chapter from the book of Psalms uh, written by David. So Psalm 103. And I love this whole chapter, man. This is just pure fire. But we're going to look at verses 2 through 5. And so David says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Check this out. This is so key right here. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Oh, come on. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. Well, what does he do for you, David? What does he do? Verse three, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Has he filled your life with good things today? Yeah, he has. 
He says, my youth is renewed like the eagles. I love it. And you can keep going on and reading the whole chapter on your own there. But what a powerful thing for David to say right here. He says, may I never forget the good things that he does for me. And so I'm telling you that as you study the life of David, we already saw that he had to encourage himself in the Lord. Well, you look through the Psalms and you can tell that he worked on this skill and he got really, really good at it. Now, the scripture ultimately tells us that David was found to be a man after God's own heart. There's nobody else that the Bible says that about. Though I do believe that there were other men that, that could definitely qualify for that same, same statement. David's the only one that the Bible actually says that about. And I believe that one of the reasons out of many, many, many reasons is because he learned no matter what he was going through that he could encourage himself and the Lord, his God. He didn't have to wait for everybody else to do it, even though that's great. And we should be doing that. David learned, hey, I'm going to encourage myself. I'm going to remember what he's already brought me through. I'm going to sing songs of praise, even when I don't feel like singing. And I'm going to cling to God's word with everything that I am. And I'm not going to let the devil shake that away from me. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise together today? Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand up together. Praise God. And I'm just telling you right now that that it is such a key part of being a Christian that you learn how to encourage others. Absolutely, that's part of it. And you also need to get really good at encouraging yourself in the Lord your God. Because sometimes you don't have the whole family there with you. Or sometimes maybe they're having an off day and they're not being perfect like you need them to be perfect that day. And uh, and they miss it. But praise God, Jesus never has an off day. And Jesus never, ever misses it. Amen. Well, I'm going to have my prayer team come up together this morning. And we're going to take a minute here. If, if you're here and you need prayer, we want to pray with you, man. That's what we're all about. We want to see the hand of God work in your life in a really big way. If you need encouragement, praise God, we want to do that. But the biggest and most important thing that we could ever do at any service is this, is if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you've just never really done that. Or maybe you're here, which is what I find more often than not. And at one point, you did have a relationship with him, but somewhere along the way, you kind of broke things off. We know that he didn't break things off with you, but we we know clearly that some people, it is possible to kind of walk away from him. Well, we're not here to judge you for that today or to, to put you on the spot. What we're here to do is to bring restoration to your relationship with Jesus. We want to give you a chance to call on the Lord because Romans 10, 13 says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so what we want to do is we want to lead everybody in a prayer together today. And if you pray that prayer with us and, and today's your day for the first time to really receive Jesus or, or maybe you're kind of coming back to him and restoring that relationship, uh, we want to we want to be here for you. We, we, we want to do everything we can to get you on the right track. And so what we would do is is we would hook you up with someone else from church here that we call a spiritual personal trainer. They'll text you a Bible verse and a devotion every day for 30 days. They will pray for you every day for 30 days and be there for you. You can ask questions, you can talk, or if you don't, you know, that's fine. But we want to do everything we can 
to give you the best chance possible to really make it and to get on the right track. And so I want to pray with you today. And uh, and after that, if you've prayed it with us and you would like a spiritual personal trainer, I'm going to have you see Jose over here. He'll be standing right here at the back by the coffee bar. You can go straight to him and he'll get he'll get your information and we'll make sure that we uh, connect you with somebody that could help you out. All right. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes together. Say this with me. Father, in Jesus name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for any wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise together today? Amen. God is so good to us. Well, if you prayed that prayer, Jose is going to be right back there by the coffee area. And uh, you could go tell him and let him know that you prayed that today. If you're here and you need prayer for anything else, we want to pray with you right now. So come on up to our prayer team and, uh, and we'll be in agreement with you. And we want to see God work in your life in a big way. Josh is going to lead us in a song here. Amen. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me And all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God My life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. You have led me through the fire and darkest nights, and you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, I have lived in the goodness of God. So, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been So, so good With every breath that I am able I will 
Yeah, praise the Lord. Well, who got blessed from the Word of God today? Amen. What a what a great day to be together. I pray that you learned from some of these skills that we mentioned, and uh, we're going to keep uh, keep studying these out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll try to fit in the final ones uh, before Christmas gets here. Because hey, I got we got to kick off the Christmas series by the end of the month. So praise the Lord. I'm going to have Pastor Katie close us out today. And uh, you got something? Yeah, do it. So quick announcement for you. We forgot this during announcements with all the crazy going on. Um, if you have Jam Junior students that are at this building, pre-K and kindergarten students, please come to the front door. Okay, not the back door like we've been doing. Come to the front door. And should you need to pick up your students early during service, anybody, nursery on up to fifth, sixth grade, um, please make sure to stop an usher so that they can make sure you get to that area safely and make sure that your students aren't, you know, by themselves coming back this direction. So, again, front door for the admin office for pre-K and kinders and stop an usher should you need that. Okay, or you, you pulled it up for me. Okay, so isn't that pitiful? He pulled up the Barstow Faith Confession. I think we've probably said that more. Isn't that bad? That's so bad. Okay, Father, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your presence with us every day. I ask, Lord, that you would keep us safe and protected, the blood of Jesus over us, healthy and whole, Lord. And I ask, Father, for mom and dad as they travel and as they celebrate their anniversary, that you would bless them abundantly, Lord, that they would enjoy each other and all you have done in their lives and all you have done through them. We're a testimony to them serving you, Father. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we declare that Barso is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barso is healed. Barso is prospering. Barso is safe. Barso is strong. Barso is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barso is full of love, joy, and peace. Barso is full of the glory of God. Barso is coming to Jesus. Barso is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.